passion and compassion. Two very powerful words that you're going to hear a lot of today in the interview. Roll the tiles. Buongiorno and welcome to the My Way Thinking podcast hosted by me, Lee Greeno, here live from the Man Cave every morning, morning, every Monday morning, where we speak to extraordinary individuals from around the world. Now, today I'm speaking to the amazing Fritzy Horseman. Uh, Fritzy Horseman is the founder of the Compassion Prison Project, uh, a brilliant filmmaker and a Grammy Award winner which I didn't know until I connected, which is pretty amazing. Um, but this is such a powerful interview. Uh, Fritzy is in, uh, involved with prisons throughout America, trying to um, bring compassion and, and awareness to trauma, childhood trauma and things like that. But you'll hear all about that in the interview, so make sure you keep listening in. Now remember, there's only four rules. One, no bullshitting. Two, no judging. And three, no negativity. That's three rules and four, have fun. How did I forget that I've been doing it so long? Anyway, enough of me rambling on. Let's get on with it. Listen to this brilliant interview with Fritzy Horseman. Okay, welcome to My Way Thinking, and I have a very special guest on today. It is the one and only Fritzy Horseman. Welcome, Fritzy. Thank you, Lee. It's good to be here. Good. I always put a nice big round of applause from hundreds of people over that bit. I edit it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Lord, thanks ever so much uh, for coming on today. And it's fascinating sort of how I got in touch with you, but then I found out a lot more about you. So, and one of the things I usually talk about is where you're from, and obviously you're in Los Angeles at the minute, but I've had quite a few people from over there. Um, so, but, so I was doing my homework because I'm a professional, obviously, mm-hmm. and... I noticed, and then I spotted that you were on IMDb. Mm. And I'm all correct in thinking you're a Grammy winner. You're correct in thinking Whoa. that, yes. <laughs> How cool is that? Yeah, it's cool. It's very it's cool. cool. Because um, on the podcast, uh, I've been doing it quite a while now. started it before lockdown. Had some amazing guests on, um, which we'll touch on throughout the, the interview. But one of the things I put down for this year, right, be, be consistent. So try and do one every Monday. Um, and the guests I want to speak to, and you make a big list. And one of the things I put down, and I know you will say, oh, that's Connie, but I put down like, BAFTA winner, which is the film awards here, Oscar winner, Grammy Award winner. I've done it. <laughs> I've made it. <laughs> I know, but I think you were probably thinking of like, you know, some singer or something. Oh. The show's not big enough to get Beyonce on just yet, but... Yet, yeah. So, so let's start the interview off. Just tell me what that was like going to the Grammys and, and, and winning that. What was that experience like? Oh, my God. Well, the first part of it, I went and got my hair done, and they, they, yeah. botched, they botched my hair. So I, <gasps> that was in... No, and so I was spent the, the, the day before the Grammys getting my hair done again. <laughs> And uh, so, and then I don't really like the way my hair looked now in retrospect, but you know, you know, it's, it's like all about the dress and what am I wearing and yeah. all that, that, that girly stuff. Um, but we got there, we, we took a, you know, one of those Uber black things and arrived and it was awesome. I mean, it was a daytime Grammy. It wasn't the nighttime. We got to go to the nighttime Grammys, but it's daytime. So it's, you know, everything from, 
you know, there's a billion Grammys that are- It's still a um, Grammy, you know. I know, no, and- Impressive. It was impressive and it was really nice to be, to be included in that award because, you know, I don't know if you know, but there was like 10 other people that got that same award that worked on the film. And it's, it's a, it's, um, it's called The Defiant Ones and mm. it's about Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine. And I, when I joined the, the film, cause I didn't do it from the very beginning. When I saw the trailer, I was like, oh my God, what is this? Um, it's just, it, the, the creators were just, they're off the charts. They're off the charts, brilliant. Um, and there's, there's, there's one of the editors, he's the special sauce. Um, I won't tell you who, but there's yeah. one of the editors is wow. Yeah. So it was real honor. It was really an honor. And then that was the icing on the cake, but being able to be part of that project was, uh, one of the biggest thrills of my life. And what draws you towards, because you've been a producer and an exec producer and you've obviously got involved with some projects. What drew you towards that, um, Fritzy? Is that something you've always been interested in? films and things like that oh yeah i wanted to be a filmmaker when i was 16 i first wanted to be an actress and i realized that when you're an actress you're in the hands of somebody else and yeah. so i was like i want to be a director and then about 10 years later i realized that I ha i'm in the hands of somebody else so it's like i can't i can't create my own destiny as as a filmmaker it was really hard um so towards the end i just kind of helped people make their own projects and then i'm really glad that i changed my life yeah I, I can relate a little bit over here i mean it's totally different in the film industry but when i was younger i wanted to be an actor and like you i went to acting classes and things like that and, I th and then i thought oh i'm out of my depth here so uh, and then as you know life takes over you have children you get married you do this that uh, and then I got back into it about 15 years ago, started doing short films. Um, and I thought I'll, I'll be a director because that way mm. I am in charge. Um, <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's interesting. I did my first feature, which got premiered uh, uh, last year. Um, and basically that was just me saying, I mean, you can swear on this. I just said, fuck it. I'm going to make this project uh, because over here, it'd be exactly the same there. You just can't get funding. Um, but I think I'll just love the creative side of it. You know, okay, I may never make millions out of it, but I think it's a nice pursuit um, to have when you've got those creative genes. And I feel like looking at what you've been up to, you've got those creative genes in you, the whirling around, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And it, it's, you know, we're here, we're here for such a short time. I think we need to leave it all on the table. We have to really figure out who we are and what we like to do and then do it and do it the best we can. So yes, and you know, just keep making films and keep exploring who you are through your art. You know, that's what's so important. It, and it, you know, it doesn't even matter what it is sometimes. It doesn't have to be a Grammy award winning film it can, or a Academy award winning film. It can be something that you're interested in in seeing how you're doing as a human yeah you know? so yeah. i think i think all creative pursuits and are important are important because Definitely. it puts you in your cortex it puts you in the part of your brain that makes us human yeah there's something about it and 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 obviously we're going to talk about a little bit about you growing up and how you got involved in the, the passion the compassion project but when i had an upbringing it was quite colorful should we say a uh, single parent you know we had some tough times and i think 
it turns you if you've if you're that way inclined it does make you quite creative quite passionate it's like you just said there you know we're not here for a long time and I, I know it's corny to keep saying it but you do think for me going through adversity when I was younger now I'm older I do think sometimes oh you've got to go for it you've got to try you, you know it makes you really passionate because you think the last thing I want to do is go to work nine to five and waste waste any passion I've got do you see what do you feel like that absolutely um but I think we get so beaten down and by life and I yeah. think we don't see other opportunities or have that energy to say, okay, wait a second, this isn't right. Um, you know, I, I like when, you know, I'm with the compassion prison project. And one of the things I'm looking at is looking at the lives of the officers. And I don't know if you know, but the life expectancy an officer is 59 years old. God. Yeah, I'm 59, so I'd be dead. I'd be dead right now if I was in <laughs> That's that That's a job. negative way to look at it, but yeah. Well, yeah. well, but it's it's Shock the it. amount of stress. But they, you know, they have all this creativity. They have all this, you know, things they need to contribute to the world. But they're they're in a job that pays decently, and so they get you know they get locked into this, and they're not able to you know say, wait a second. First of all, I'm stressed out of my mind. I'm my home life is deteriorating, you know, I'm drinking, I'm doing drugs. And it's like, well, the, the money and the fear is what keeps them in place. And I think that's, I think this is an old, this is part of, I think because we're so traumatized as a society, mm. I think that's what keeps us, that's what's, what keeps us from experimenting and going mm. yeah. outside of our edge. And I think it's also having that um, ability to, uh, get out of it. Um, well, uh, you know, I did managing for a while and then one day I thought, hold on, you know, I was nearly having a nervous breakdown. I thought, hold on a sec, the money's great, but what am I really doing? And you, a light, it's sort of a light bulb moment. Whereas some people will just continue that for years and years and years. So I suppose it's getting stuck in a rut, isn't it? For some people. Yes, but it's ultimately it's being violent to yourself and mm when you're violent to yourself, you're violent to the your community, your family, and to the planet. Because what happens is when you don't pay attention to what your real calling is, what your real um, soul needs are, mm. and I know you have to pay the rent, so I'm not saying yeah. you, know, you can do it tomorrow, but when you're not paying attention to it, that's why you start drinking. That's why you start addiction. That's why you start lashing out at your kids because you're betraying yourself. And, um, you know, I think that's because we're so traumatized. You said you grew up in adversity. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to know, have you ever taken the adverse childhood experiences quiz? No, no. What's that? That's the basis of my work. No. Um, it's about how trauma basically takes us out of, um, it takes us out of who we are and puts us into survival mode. When you're in survival mode, you can't get, you can't get, be creative. You can't follow instructions. You can't learn. And, um, you know, poverty is one of the biggest uh, adverse childhood experiences that there is, but it's not on this list. Um, there's, it's on my website at compassionprisonproject.org. And mm. Leah, I highly recommend you take the quiz. I have eight out of 10 of those. Oh, right. Okay. 
well and, I'll, put the, um, I'll put the link in the show notes that it's it's interesting yes it, but i want to tell you what those 10 are before yeah. i know you well, i know you have a lot of questions but i really want to I'll, get into this um so these are the 10 adverse childhood experiences yeah physical abuse emotional abuse and when we're talking emotional abuse like being humiliated by your parents um having them say you know you're not worthy you're not good enough uh sexual abuse physical uh neglect emotional neglect parents or caregivers addicted to drugs or alcohol parents or caregivers um suicidal mentally ill or, or depressed domestic violence um parents divorced or separated and someone in your family or in your household going to prison hmm. so i have eight of those um, did you calculate how many you had? No, I didn't. But yeah, I've definitely, yeah, I've definitely had some. <laughs> I don't right. know if I had eight though. Eight's a good, well, it's not a good score, but it's, it's yeah, that's a lot. Well, when I heard, first heard of this test, I thought I had four. And then I got, I dived, dived in. One of the, one of the things it's, the domestic violence is really the, the, mm -hmm. mo the mother being abused by the man. But in my case, it was my father being abused by my mother and so I didn't count that one, but I, now I count that one because, mm. you know, it's still violence in the household. Yeah. And, um, and that's what the Compassion Prison Project is all about, is the people in prison have so much adversity, have so much adversity that they've, they've endured as children. They were victims first before they cre ever created a victim. Yeah. And now it's to educate them about what trauma is, what tra trauma does to the brain, body, and spirit. Yeah. And um, but also educate the public like I'm doing here talking with you. And that's that's what's so important to me is is because when we're in a state of not feeling safe in our bodies, we do things to keep ourselves safe. And that could mean kill somebody mm -hmm. that could mean rob a bank. I know that doesn't make sense. But if you don't feel safe or if you feel like you have to get that drug because you're traumatized, mm -hmm. you're going to do things to make you feel good. And that's just a, that's just a human that's just human. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's interesting what you say there because um, where you say when you were looking at these, these 10 different things, you, you only recognize four. sometimes you'll say, you'll play it down. You know, you'll say, cause I'll say to my wife, Oh, you know, the child was, was, was a bit difficult here and there. And she's thinking, you know, it was a lot harder than that, but you sort of play it down. You, you know what I mean? You try and, you don't it, because you don't look into it enough and one thing that that could be is because you're putting it to the back and trying to ignore it um and i suppose that's one of the worst things which can then lead to you know that's a survival response though yeah yeah you know and dissociation is one of the things we do i can't remember half of the things that were done to me because as a survival mechanism in my brain was to distance like basically have amnesia from the event um so yes downplaying and and it's also cultural. Our society says, suck it up. Hmm. You know, you're a, be, a, be a big little boy. Well, a little five-year-old who's being beaten by his parents mm. or even, you know, even just corporal punishment, just somebody hitting their kid because they did something wrong, that tells the little baby or the little boy or the little girl that the world is not safe. And it changes how they respond to the world. And so it hardens you, you know, like you said, yeah, or, you know, I had a couple of them, but, or, you know, whatever you said at the beginning of the, mm. the show, I had an adverse adversity as a child. Well, what is that adversity and how has it affected you? That's 
That's what we need to start unpacking because secrecy in our society has created this mess that we're in. We're in a, a trauma mess and um, it's everywhere. It's in our politics. It's in our, like in, in America, it's in our division. Oh, you have the same division. It's, it's in how we're divided. And honestly, I think we all want the same things. We all want, you know, clean water. We want our babies to grow up and be successful and learn and be able to function. Um, we want to have a good marriage. We want to have a, a place where we can live that we know is safe. This is like fundamental what we all want. Yeah, and, and, you know, it gets it gets corrupted because of people are so traumatized. What and do you think? What do you think it is about? So, for instance, you you know you you grew up and you had a lot of these troubles. What what, what is it that turned your life around? Because you know we can have troubled childhoods, but we don't all become murderers or drug dealers. Or do you see what I mean? So yes. if you, we we almost I know a lot of people will say you can't use that as an excuse. Um, what, what do you think it was for you that, that how it worked out in the end? What? There's a few things. There's mm. a few things. First of all, I'm, I grew up in a middle-class neighborhood. Mm. And so when I walked home from school, I wasn't worried about my life. Um, mm. and, and that's huge. Not feeling safe in your environment is a huge thing. It puts you in fight or flight 24-7. And this thing called toxic stress when you have um, adrenaline and cortisol running through your body all the time, what happens is later in life, um, you have no immunity. COVID morbidity, comor COVID comorbidity is one of the reasons I would say is that they're tra it's trauma because you, your immune system is shot. You don't have any, any, any defenses about it. Um, the other thing I would say, the reason I didn't, end up in a gang, although I wanted to join a gang. I'll, I'll tell you that. I was yeah. 16 and I was a juvenile delinquent. I was shoplifting. I was dealing drugs. I was stealing from my school. I was, um, later on in life, I drove home drunk. I, you know, you can see it in the film Step Inside the Circle that I made. I don't know if you've yeah. seen it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but the thing I had is my mother and my father, even through my mother's rage and my father's alcoholism, they both were my champions. They both said, Fritzy, you can do anything you want to do. Um, go out and do it. Go, kid. Go do it. And, um, and even though my father was an alcoholic, and the thing about alcohol is your attention is on the alcohol. Your attention is how am I going to get my fix next? Your attention is on getting your body regulated again. It's not on your child. It's not you can't see your child the way a child needs to be seen when you're drunk. Mm. even when you're sober because you're still thinking about the darn alcohol or any addiction, any addiction. Yeah. I'm, and, and, but, but still they knew through their fog, they knew th through their fog of adversity and, and, you know, shame Yeah, that they needed to give, give this kid a fighting chance. Now my sister is an alcoholic and, you know, they, she didn't get the same messaging or she didn't hear the same messaging. And so, um, same parents, but a different outcome. And so it, it's also who your parents to you when you're growing up. But mm. I had that thing and the people in prison never had that person who said, Hey kid, what are you doing? Mm. Hey kid, stop the nonsense. Hey, you're better than this. They never had that. And, um, I just got a letter from one of the guys that, that I've worked with. And he said, 
I didn't value my life, Fritzi. I would walk into neighborhoods that I knew where I could get killed and I didn't care. And, um, and that's the thing is life, uh, this precious life is valuable and we all need to have that. Um, yeah. I think it's a, it's almost having a mentor as well. Um, because you know, it could, you know, I did martial arts, football. So you look up to the coaches and, but if those people are bad people, that you're looking up to and they, and they, and they're very good at manipulation. These kind of mm -hmm. people, yes. that's, that's fatal, isn't it? That is, you know, yes, but you had, uh, you had coaches, you had people looking up, but how about your parents? How are your parents? Well, we really, I brought, was brought up with my mother. Um, okay. And so she was very loving, you know, she was an amazing woman. She had problems with drink. Um, but, she loved me and my sister, and I think that was a really important thing because if you've got that, yes, that you, that can get you through. You know, she was she was a brilliant mother. She had a demons. Um, yes, but here's the thing: as a child, like the first thousand days is like the most important for developing the brain of a child. That's key. So you had a nurturing mom, even though she was drinking. You had someone who made you feel safe in your world is right did you feel safe with your mom oh yeah yeah then but, but yeah most of the time <laughs> well okay but there you go yeah see now that's the key here because that up and down most of the time there was part of you that was on edge how's it going to be right yeah but that's telling your body you're not safe now this is this is the key here and i'm i'm not taking it out on your mom and i want i want mm. people to really understand our parents did the best they could mm. with what they had. And like abusing a child or being an alcoholic, it was one of the coping mechanisms that we were given yeah. in, a, in this society. So I'm not taking your mom out. I know she was loving. I know she oh. meant well. Yeah, it's fine. But that affected your brain. Mm. The fact that she was not, a, she was not able to um, fully be present and and, and, and available because she was an alcoholic, right? Mm. Yeah. So she was, she was thinking about the drink and, and how she can, how she can soothe her body, but she was traumatized too, right? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Oh God. Yeah. 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 And it's sort of a, it's sort of a, uh, when, when, so when I'm now I've got a family, you do everything to make sure that doesn't happen because if you haven't got the support mechanism there, it's easy to pass it on to the, you know, your children and your children's children, and there's no stopping it. Um, so I don't know. Look, I was going to say luckily, but not really. I just turned it around. I just got over everything eventually after, you know, a long period and, and, and worked my way through it. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult because, you know, from my mum's trauma, she felt guilty. Uh, mm -hmm. And then, so she's feeling guilty. So what's she going to do? So she's going to drink. So she's got her exactly. demons. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's. Exactly. But the thing about it, like, do you have rage? Do you sometimes. Not um, anymore. Uh, no, I used But you to, did. Well, yeah. Yeah. Now, where do you think that rage came from? <sighs> Just being angry that I couldn't have a normal childhood, I suppose. Maybe with my dad. Yes. That's another ace. Numerous <laughs> things. But the, see that, but that anger is also, you learned it from your family, right? Mm. Your mother. Yes. Same here. And so w the thing is when my son, um, he would be in the kitchen, the kitchen to me was a trauma zone. That's where my mother had a knife. She'd 
like yell at me for not cutting the parsley fine enough. Yeah. Um, so when I was in the kitchen with my family, I, it was, I was nuts. And if my son would drop something, I would go into a huge rage. Right. Mm. But knowing about my trauma and doing this work, you know, a couple of months ago, he dropped a plate in the, in the kitchen. Yeah. And I said, Oh, you dropped a plate. And, but he was braced. He, his body, he was like, Oh shit. She's going (laughs) to lose it. Yeah. I know. But the thing is he went through fight, flight and freeze. He was, he went through all of it and he was traumatized just by, just by being a, just by being a young boy, he was traumatized. That's what I got to see as a mom is my effect on him. Yeah. His nervous system is now still, he's still jagged. Um, He wants, and he wants coffee, which I've stopped coffee just, recently but i know that yeah. coffee is something that you do to keep yourself alert to keep you on guard mm. um and he the body likes that feeling when it's traumatized because yeah. it wants to be alert so in case there's any any it, it's a safe feeling coffee makes you feel safe and so now because i'm i'm being i'm re, i'm regulating my system I'm beginning to able able to regulate his system. Yeah. And this and that's what you you did. You learned how to regulate your system mm. um, through martial arts, which is fantastic. That's like the best news you, you have yeah, here is yeah. Yeah. physical activity, rhythm, dancing, uh, music, creativity, anything to get you into yeah. your cortex and mm. out of out of this this uh, yoga's huge. Um, out of the state of of anxiety and depression yeah because it's like i said to you about the creativity thing you know i'll be editing here all night and my wife say you must be mad what you're doing that for you're not getting you know you're not getting paid for it but that in a way is my coping mechanism because i'm busy doing Mm -hmm. that but another thing which which you made me think about is i used to snap quite a lot of the kids you know and what Mm -hmm. my wife is brilliant at luckily um is we work very well as a couple because uh, we, she makes me step back. If I say something or I have a go at my son, for instance, cause he's older now and he's a pain in the ass, but he's, you know, he's a good lad. But if he does something and I'm raging, why you done that? She'll say, hold on a minute. Is it that bad? And, and what I've learned now, I'm at the age now where I'm like holding my tongue, even though inside I'm fuming and I step back and I think, hold on, you're right. What, what a stupid, you know, there's the things that are going on in the world right now. And I'm having a go at him because he hasn't cleaned his bedroom or, you know, forgot to wash something. Come on, you know, and it's, and it's getting rid. It's being able to take that frustration and take it back and just go, yeah, it's not that bad, is it? And I can do that now over the last That's- few years. That's so amazing. But here's the thing. Now, this is the, we need to go a step back is like, why does him not cleaning your room activate you? This is the key. Now, this is the part where you're, as a child, you learn this from your mother, probably Mm. an expectation, but it also is about respect. Um, And I'm, I'm the same way. I used to go nuts. I used to go nuts when they wouldn't listen or here's another one when they cry that used to drive me nuts because when, and I learned this from doing my research um, when a child, when you grow up with a parent who doesn't take care of you, when you're crying, when your child is crying, 
it activates your same fight or flight mechanisms. So you, you didn't get the, the, you didn't, you were, it's like you're being a child all over again. Yeah. But this is the key here is like watching being now, now you can be a trauma detective like I am. <laughs> trauma detective. No, that's what I'm, that's what I'm. <laughs> yeah, go on. It's like, why does my son who has a messy room, why does that drive me nuts? And why do I have to go into fight or flight? Because that's the state that you were in when you're mm. at him. Yeah. And yeah. You're, thank God your, your wife is so regulated. She's much calmer. She probably didn't have as much trauma as you did. Yeah. And the other thing is, is uh, because it, it, the other thing that I think of is you're so lucky. You're so lucky you've got this beautiful bedroom. You're so lucky you've got these brilliant foods and you, we can give you money because I never had that. Now, you know, for a few years, that was quite difficult. Now it's, but I'll always have that because I do want him to feel, you know, I do want him to realize how lucky he is within reason, you know, that you can spend all that money on a pair of trainers. You know, we had to go to the, we had to go to the charity shop. So it's, it's trying to, you it's trying to make him realize that without, throwing it down his throat. <laughs> no, I, absolutely, I absolutely agree about this, but that isn't yelling about him, yelling him at him on something like a minor infraction is the key here. This is what I'm focusing in. This is what I want you to look at because that's, you don't want to transfer that behavior onto him. Hmm. And, um, but yes, no, I agree. It's important to have morals and good parenting and give them a perspective. This is not you know, this entitlement is not working for me, kid. Um, but the thing you don't want to transfer on is that rage that you have. Oh, yeah. Because your needs weren't met as a child. And and that's what I'm working on. It's it's alchemy. We need to bring our children back to the perfect divinity and safe wholeness that they came in as. Yeah. Right? So tell me... So when you got through all this trauma and everything, what did you, how did you end up at the Compassion Project? Was, did you just leave school or college straight away and go into looking into this kind of thing? Or did it, no. did it take time? What, what, where did it all stem from? It, no, no, no. I've been a filmmaker since, for, since I got out of college. And um, in 2018, I read a book called The Body Keeps the Score, which I highly recommend to you. Oh, it's right. about... Okay. It's by Bessel van der Kolk and definitely listen to my podcasts. Okay. Um, it's all, there's all trauma. It's mostly trauma and then self, self-awareness. Like how, how we are magnificent. How are we going to make sure we let the world know and let ourselves and that's know that's called this? The Body Keeps the Score. Bessel van der Kolk. Yes. So I read that book, which is all about trauma. And I learned that I was, that my behavior was not who I was. Mm-hmm. That my acting out and my rage when I'm driving, um, my inability to, you know, have a good relationship with my, my husband, that all stem from trauma. Mm. And when I, when I got that piece, it was like, that changed my life. But then a month later, I walked into a prison. Mm. And I was like, oh, wait a second. These people are not bad people. They're traumatized. They've been traumatized. And they have, they have so much more trauma than I ever can even imagine. Like, it's off the chart trauma. And now we're, what we're doing instead of having prisons be a place of an intervention of trauma, we're actually, you know, doubling down on the trauma 
And I was like, this is a trauma center. This isn't, this isn't, should not be a prison. And so that day I was like, I am obligated to do something because nobody's doing anything. I mean, there are people doing things. Absolutely. But my thing is I want everyone in prison to know they're traumatized, including the officers, because they're traumatized too. And I want them to know what trauma does to the brain, body, and spirit, because it destroys all of those things. So this is, this is quite a recent thing then. This is sort of a light bulb moment for you then, if anything. And yeah, I quit my job as a producer and I went and made a film, Step Inside the Circle, which I hope all your listeners well, will. Well, yeah, what, what happened was, this is how I came to find you, a, a, a guest of mine, Claudia Goatsman. Um, she's a lovely woman, mindfulness, and she deals with trauma as well. She's worked with someone, I was trying to find his name earlier, and um, she worked with a guy uh, about trauma, and we, we we did a podcast about that and talking about how you know it can affect people without them even realising. And, and she sent me your film, Step Into the Circle, and that was it. And I was like, wow, this is, this is powerful, because we spoke, I spoke to someone, a career criminal from America, actually. He was real, uh, he did credit card fraud. And he was telling me that when he came out of prison, there was no support system or nothing. And he was expected to live on hardly any money, you know, in a bed sit, travel loads of miles every day to get to this little crappy job. He said, so the first thing I did was went straight back to crime because there was no support network or, you know, you got, you got told you're a bad boy, you're in prison for this amount of time, then you get thrown out. And there's no rehabilitation or no one talking. And, and that's why when I saw Step Into the Circle on YouTube, I thought, wow, this, this lady is impressive. And, and that's how I wanted to start talking to you about it because it is such a, you know, it's such an amazing thing. Tell us about that, Stepping Into the Circle, that video. So that's based on the adverse childhood experiences, which I was telling you, that quiz, mm. that ten, those 10 questions. And then I added another 10 or 15 questions to it, including traumatic brain injury and and um you know up to 97 percent of the people in prison have traumatic brain injury 97 for women and it's about between 50 and 80 percent for men and so like i don't know if you know if you have traumatic brain injury it's the same as being a 16 year old but worse Mm. um because you don't have you're impulsive you're angry you don't have access uh, to your prefrontal cortex, basically, or it's muddied. You can't learn. You can't focus. You can't follow instructions. And in prison, that's a very important thing. If you're not following instructions, it's a sign of disrespect. If you don't, uh, if the the officers don't feel like they're respected, they're gonna they're gonna get triggered. So you're in a you're in a, like this this danger zone, um, just trying to get through the day. Um, I forgot what our question was. <laughs> I was just asking you about step into the circle. Where oh, step inside I'll, the circle. I'll, I'll put a note anyway on the on the show notes. But just tell us a little bit about that, yeah. what, where the prison was and, and what you were doing. Yeah, so um, the circle is about, so in the film, 235 men are in this circle. And for each adverse childhood experience that they um, endure, I ask them to take a step step inside the circle. If your parents were physically abusive to you, step inside the circle. If your parents um, were emotionally abusive, if you were neglected, meaning um, physically neglected, meaning you didn't have enough to eat, um, emotionally neglected, you didn't feel loved or cared for. Like those are big things that changes your brain. All of these steps that they were taking were evidence of 
how our brain is changing. And it's not just in prison. These are, this is in our society. Our brain is injured. Our, our collective brain is injured. And we all resort to violence to solve our problems. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's you yelling at your child for not cleaning his room. That's how we learn. That's how our bodies learned to deal with problems. We go to war. We, um, we beat people up in the street. You know, our policemen are, are abusive. And the thing about it, the thing about using violence as a solution, it's exactly what you do when you're in fight or flight. If someone hits you, you want to hit them back, right? An eye for an eye, right? But if you're in your cortex, if you can take a breath, say, hey, wait a second, is this what I want to do? Do I want to perpetuate this? And the answer is probably no. Then what is the solution? Well, then you ask, instead of, what's wrong with you asshole for hitting me you say hey what happened to you mm. and when we say what happened to you is we get the information that most of us in society have been victims and we have our dukes up because we feel we don't want to be taken down again and that's you know if you ask me that's how the republican party is is built up in my in in the united states most of those people are abused and they're not going to take it anymore. And they're going to take prisoners. They're taking prisoners. And, um, and I also argue the democratic party as well, but it's, it's a little different. What, how did you go about sorting that out? Because what was fascinating about, about that, that video is you're talking to people in prison and they look, some of them look like they've been there and they're going to be there for the rest of their life. So they've been incarcerated for many, many years. So one, you've got to convince them to come out and do this exercise. Mm -hmm. And it was really powerful that you got these people, these men that probably haven't looked at their emotions for years and years, know they're going to die in prison, know they've committed awful crimes, and they opened up to you. How did you go about get, getting that to work? Because that was pretty, pretty powerful. Well, you know, you're... My secret sauce is there's a guy inside prison. His name is Sam, Sam Brown. And he's the one who, who got all the guys to show up. Okay. And he's the one who chose the people to tell their stories. So um, they trusted Sam. But honestly, I've been to other prisons without Sam there. And I've done the circle and they've all opened up because I think, I'm, and I'm not, don't want to take anything away from what Sam did because it was yeah, incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the thing is when people realize they're traumatized and that they're not bad people, they want to talk about it. They want to say, wait a second, this is what happened to me, Fritzy. You know, I, I was, I was kept in a closet and I was raped by my father's, my stepfather's friends till I was 16 years old. That's what happened to me. That's why I'm here. Or, um, you know, I was beaten every day and I, you know, I would pee in my pants and that, and they would beat me again. You know, I hear stories like this almost every day, or, you know, my parents were addicted to drugs and they didn't take care of me. Whatever it was, it, it's everywhere in prison. Um, we did, you know, we did the ACE surveys in prison. 98% have at least one adverse childhood experience, but we're not talking about their adverse uh, environment. That's in, you know, in, in their neighborhoods and stuff. We're not talking about that yet. So, you know, and if no one cares about you, when you're growing up and somebody in a gang says, hey, who are you? You're cool. Well, what are you gonna do? 
Mm. What are your choices? You know, that's, you know, indoctrination 101. And, you know, if you say, I care about you, people are going to be like, well, I'm going to do whatever you want me to, because finally I'm getting what my needs are. And one of our major needs is acceptance and being loved. So what's, so this is, I mean, everyone's going to say, well, a lot of people are going to say this. These are bad people. Mm -hmm. What do you think, do you know what they're there for? And I suppose some of them are horrific. How do you, do you have to sort of, put that to one side how do you no i mean no. what are you trying to do what you know if, if you're in for life and you've killed a child or something like that what what oh. will is this a case of just trying to get them to come to terms with themselves to explain that well i mean you bring up a really good point the thing is first of all everyone in prison was a victim first okay oh yeah non-stop not full stop um, what I'm trying to do is say, wait a second, you're not bad. Your brain is bad. Your brain is injured. And this is, this is a really very important distinction because we're taking on that they're bad people, but they're, it's their brain. And if you look in their brains, if you have a t- traumatic brain injury, you're going to do things that your, your soul does not want to do. Mm. Now, if we get into the soul of every person in prison, that soul is intact. That soul is perfect. That soul is divine. And we're forgetting that part. And that's the thing that we got to remember is they're humans. They don't stop being a human just because they commit a crime. And that's what we think, that's what we've done in our society. We've dehumanized them. We've taken the human out of them. We say, no, they're bad people. We have to, we're, you know, it's good and bad, but no, it's not good and bad. It's injured brain. That's it. And to explain that to them because half of them don't understand why they did what they did or even more than half. There's one man. He had a traumatic brain injury. He was up for five days. Now you tell me if you can think if, if you're, if you haven't slept in five days, um, his, his girlfriend was really feeling weird about being with him. And I think she was, she had a baby with him. And um, I think she was, he knew that she wanted to break it off and, I think she, she, I don't remember the exact facts, but she said something like, I, I think it's over or something. And next thing you know, he's taken a knife and he's killed his girlfriend and the baby. God. Right? 20 minutes later, when the police arrive, he says to the police, please tell me that, please tell me this is a dream. Please tell me this is a dream. So who's doing this? Who is doing this crime? This human who's like, please, I, this is not who I am. And then this body that is fears for his life, which makes no sense to anyone just thinking about it. But if you think the person who matters the most to you is leaving, this is all what domestic violence is about. The only person who's given you love, the only person who's made you feel something is leaving, the body goes into fight, flight, or freeze. And it doesn't make sense to us looking at this crime. I can't make sense of this, but I know that's not who he is. I know that. And there are sociopaths in prison that should not be let out, but that's not who they are either. But we need to look at their brains. Let's see what that brain is. Is there a tumor in that brain? Have they been, is there major damage to their 
prefrontal cortex. I want to see the I want to see the brain scans of that human before we decide that they're not worthy. Um, and it's it, it's interesting because um, you could say it, it, because it's the old nature or nurture thing, isn't it? Which which we could talk about. But if you are that way inclined like you say if you get a brain injury uh it can open something up that can make you not see empathy or or the reality Mm. of things then the other side is you could say but if everybody who has an argument a, a really bad argument ends up killing their wife or whatever you know you've got to have that part of yourself that says no that's wrong what you're saying is they haven't got that in that moment, they don't realize no. it's wrong. Well, and neither did you when you're telling your son to clean <laughs> his room. No, but that's, yeah. that's the thing is when all of us are committing crimes to me, I would argue me yelling at my son in the kitchen is a crime because it's hurting his brain. The one thing I wanted to tell you about the man who killed his girlfriend and his baby his father used to hit his head with a ball peen hammer. His cortex, yes. And so, and I've said to this man, I said, let's get your brain, uh, let's take a look at your brain. Let's, let us show the world what brain injury does. And we're, we're creating brain injuries in, with the police. The police are creating brain injuries all the time. Uh, gang violence is creating brain injuries. And, um, Correctional officers are creating brain injuries. So everybody right now is doing the worst thing you can do to create a safe society because you're not safe when your brain is, is injured. That's the thing. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I totally understand. I mean, I've just been watching the documentary on the uh, Washington snipers and it's interesting because they look at their, their back, background and obviously what made them do the terrible things. But I suppose the other side of it is is the victims and the poor people that have had to had to oh. suffer. But I suppose you could take that full circle because if we can work out, well, you you can't ed- you can't eradicate bad parenting, can you? You can't eradicate. That's the goal. People. That's the goal. I want to end childhood child abuse in my lifetime. I want everyone to know that hitting your child. I don't care if it's because they were naughty. I don't care. It injures their brain. It injures their brain. And that's that's what we need. That's the information people need to know. If I knew I was injuring my child's brain when I was a young mother, not a younger mother, I was 43 when I gave birth. Yeah, wow. <laughs> but, but if I knew that my behavior was injuring my child's brain, I would have gotten help much sooner. And I don't want that to happen. I want everybody to know this. I want every single parent in the world, every kid who's having sex with somebody and about to have a baby, I want them to know that your behavior is going to help or hurt your child's brain. And um, I want every... Well, the thing is that that's parenting, isn't it? Parenting, it all comes down to parenting. So, and it's, it's such a big question, you know, do they know how to parent properly? Have they got the equipment or the the money or or the love or know how to express things? So a lot of it is education because some of these they they haven't got money, so the only thing you could give them really is is education. But then the other side of it is when you've got nothing, surviving is is hard enough, isn't it? 
I agree. But I'm an educated woman. I went to Vassar College in, in Poughkeepsie, New York. I didn't know how to parent at 43 years old. I didn't know the, the necessary. I knew I had to talk to my kid. So he's got an incredible vocabulary. But I didn't know that what I was doing was changing his brain. And, and I think that's the key here. It doesn't matter. It's, it, it, it spans across the whole spectrum from, from you know, homeless to billionaires. They're still injuring your children's brains. And that's, that's what's so important here. But back to the victims, I really want to talk about this because, okay, first off, these, all these kids that we're talking about in prison were victims, right? Full stop, 100%, no question. No one's taking care of those victims. If we don't take care of our victims, we're going to create more victims. But then to talk about the victims, they need, they need closure. And our court system and our justice system doesn't bring closure. They need, you know, the, the Native Americans, they have a restorative justice circle is what they do. A harm's committed. Get those people in the, in the circle. And in that circle, everyone is equal. Everyone has a voice and everyone is important. And it's not that it's, it's you raise the level of, of the, because you know the person who committed the crime, first of all, is mortified that he did it, even if he's a sociopath. There's something he knows that's, that's wrong. But you bring him into that circle and say, or her into that circle and say, you did something very bad. And then you ask the victim, what do you need to repair this? What needs to happen? What does this person have to do to bring back your sense of safety, to bring back your son, to bring back whatever you lost in that event? And that's, in, that's being back in your cortex. That's work during your cortex. The criminal justice system is a fight or flight system. It wants to just punish and throw them away and lock away, lock the key away. But the problem is, guess what? 95% of the people in prison are coming home. Mm. And are they coming home worse than they, than they were? Yes, they're coming home worse. They're coming home a lot worse. And so are those officers. Those co officers are coming home every day a lot worse. And so what, are, what have we created in this criminal justice system? We've created a, you know, more trauma and more violence in our, in our society. And is that really as, as evolving humans that we are? Is that what we want to create? Or do we want to sit down and say, okay, we got to clean up this mess. You have committed the crime. You got to figure out how to, what to do to make it better. If it takes your whole lifetime, that's fine. Um, but dehumanizing them and taking, put, making them victims again and again is not, is not a solution. So you feel strongly about, obviously, they've got the death penalty in certain states still, haven't they, in, in America? In certain... Yeah, I think it's 18 states. I think Is I it? know that. So, so I guess you feel quite strongly about that. It, and it's quite... What you're saying is in this day and age, we're quite, in, we're, I would like to think we're more intelligent. Uh, we think a lot more about other people and, and emotionally which is what you're saying we should be doing. Whereas the death penalty really is quite antiquated, isn't it? It's quite an old system where nothing's changed. Death penalty is, is definitely is like the ultimate eye for an eye and it's murder for murder, right? It's, it's all murder for murder. The thing about um, one of the studies that they did one study in the death penalty, they, I think it was a sample of 15 people in the death penalty. They analyzed their brains. hundred percent of those brains had traumatic brain injury. Okay. 
So there you are. They have damaged brains. It's not that they're bad people. They have damaged brains. And that's, that's the distinction that we have to make as a society because we're compassionate people, I think. I mean, and why, why do we want to throw away the key? Because we want compassion for the victims, right? That's, that's, the, that's the logic. Well, that's antiquated logic as well. We want compassion for the society. We want the compassion for the whole. We have to look at the whole picture and we cannot just, you know, isolate the fact that they, you know, I mean, there's some, there's some horrendous crimes that we're looking at. Horrendous. And, but what, I mean, the example I gave with the, the mother and the baby, horrendous. But like I said, and, you know, Massachusetts doesn't have the, the death penalty, I don't think. And so that's why he didn't get it. But um, thank God, thank God, because this is a, this is a, he, he wrote to me, he says, I can never forgive myself because that would mean it, it, somehow this is okay. And I'm saying that I'm trying to coach him and saying it's a different thing. You forgive yourself. You still know you've done this. Yeah. But now, now at least you can move on and figure out ways to help figure out ways to heal i'll tell you another thing as well fritz here that's quite powerful is the power of forgiveness um i've had a few people on here that have you know not been have done wrong um and people have forgiven them and and, and i know that's been very very powerful people have forgiven terrible terrible things um i think that can sometimes be more powerful than anything that you know an eye for an eye or anything like that the, the the power of forgiveness because that way you're the the victim or the people who have been affected are forgiving the person and and letting that that anger go aren't they um yeah i i forgot the quote but it's by nelson mandela it's like you know holding on to that poison mm. you know poisons me it's poisoning me yeah and um that's that's the opportunity is our forgiveness and that's you know jesus when he came here i don't you know i'm not a i'm not religious but i know that jesus jesus symbolized you know seeing everyone as human and seeing the majesty of every human and the majesty of forgiveness it's really it is grace but it's grace for yourself yeah. and always the, you know, the old maxim that what you do unto others, you do unto yourself. So if you forgive, you forgive yourself because it also recognizes your own humanity, your own fallibility. And, and I would argue your own brain injuries. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So what's in the future then, Fritzy, for this compassion project? Is this it now? Filmmaking's gone. Is this your total focus and and are you, or are you going to make a film out of it you're going to make a documentary because i'll guess that would be quite powerful well we already did step inside the circle that's the one documentary we did um i have a couple of film ideas that i'd like to do but i'm not going to talk about them yet because i have to make sure i can make that happen but <laughs> what i really my goal is to end child abuse um is to spread the word that we're injuring our child's brains just our behavior you know, getting a divorce, but having violence in the home, fighting with your spouse, but even having that tension, that angry tension in the house is still violent. So you really need to look at the violence that's in your world and how are you dealing with it? And why are you, why are you angry? Why, what are the roots of your anger and, and, um, and righteousness, 
you know that's just as as violent as any um as any crime being righteous and remember every single thought we have changes the world mm. it changes the world if we're thinking good thoughts if not good thoughts but it's not like oh good luck but if we're saying you know you see that guy across the street and normally you'd be like oh look at him with with his you know butt crack showing or whatever <laughs> no but you know that's that's an judging an old, no judging well why are we judging what is it what is it that we need to make ourselves feel better than that human yeah. because you know whatever we don't know what led him to have his to be disheveled we don't know and it's it's bringing humanity back to our own selves it's but it's to ourselves because when we're judging them there's something wrong with us we're there we're not looking at what the root is and we got to get to the root so are you doing talks or going around america america trying to spread the word on this what's what's the plan well i'm going to prison spreading the word that's really but i will talk to anybody i will talk to any podcast that wants me because i want your listeners to know that they're living with with injured brains and i want them to stop hurting their children even if it's just saying you know you're a piece of crap or you know what the heck are you doing kid yeah Treat it can have a child. massive effect it can have a i mean it's like i heard before you know a child's brain's like a sponge and it can have a massive effect on it and everything we do and re remember parenting is not easy you know let's you, you're not going to be perfect but it's definitely something you need to work on and, 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 and think of everything you're doing will have an impact on that, on that child. You're right. Yeah. Exactly. And forgive yourself, but also when you lash out at your child, tell them this isn't you, this is me and my trauma. This is me and my inability to work through whatever's going on with me right now. But I'm so sorry, my love. It's not you. I'm so sorry. And that'll change your child's brain. My, I'm, I'm healing my son's brain right now because my brain is healing and get help. And if you're drinking and if you're addicted, get help because you're, you've lost your child. Then your child, you're not child isn't yours anymore. Your alcohol is yours yeah. and get help be with your child, you know, and revel in being a parent. It is the most biggest gift you can give to the world, but we want that kid in good shape. Yeah, it's a definitely. gift, but not if he's yeah great if he's injured. And I always ask my guests uh, for a bit of advice. It can be the best bit of advice you've had, or been give you know, or give or you could give out. Um, what bit of advice could you give? Forgive yourself, and uh, there is no shame. There is no shame for what you did. It got you here. It got you to where you're at. Forgive yourself. And now that you know better, do better. It's easy. It's easy. I mean, it's hard as heck, but it's easy. You know, um, it's easy to rise up to your own potential and your own magnificence because every single one, every single person listening to this podcast is an incredible human being. Um, I mean, just being alive, look at us, look at us with these fingers and, and hair. What the hell? What the hell? Right? What the hell? This is, yeah. This is majesty. We are majesty and we are, we are bogged down in the, in the minutia. And um, why? Why? Let's rise up. Let's rise up and be the beautiful people that we are. 
And I can see one thing that's going to get you through that and, and what will make a difference is your passion because you're so passionate about it. It just it seeps out of your soul. And, 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 that's, and, and we need people like that to do, deal with all these important issues. And they're usually massive issues, <laughs> which you're, you know, it's a massive thing to tackle. But without that passion, you know, we'll, be, we'll be nowhere. So I think what you're doing is, is amazing. So I'm so, so glad we got to chat. I always ask my guests for a favourite. Uh, you, you said about that book earlier. You got any other favourite books or films or something like that that you think people could watch or read that's quite inspirational? Um, yes, the wisdom of trauma, of course I'm in it. So, um, but it, it asks for a donation, go to the wisdom of trauma.com. I think it is, or org. Yeah. Go to the website and they ask for a donation, but it can be $2. It can be a dollar just, you know, but watch it and just, you know, learn about more, learn more about trauma, learn about what it does. Take the ice test, mm. watch step inside the circle. Um, and you know, remember to laugh and to love yourself because, wow, you know, this is, this is our one time around in this body, in this iteration. Let's, let's figure out how to make it the best we can. And how would people access you? What's your podcast called, Fritzy? I can't. Um, it's called Compassion in Action. Compassion. And, and tell us a and, little bit about that. Yeah, it's, I reached out to most of the, um, trauma experts in the world. And they said, yes. And I also, I've interviewed Joe Dispenza and Peter Crone, and I'm working on getting even more guests. Um, last week I interviewed a warden, uh, which will be coming out soon, um, who is creating a nonprofit, a charity uh, prison system so that all, all proceeds go back into the prison. So it's not a, it's not a for-profit prison. Yeah. So, um, but really, um, the, it's about changing our world um, one, one loving thought at a time. Cool. Powerful stuff. Well, look, thanks so much for coming on today because I, I know you're a busy lady, which I can understand. Um, and like I said, I'll put all those links and everything in the, in the show notes. Um, and just keep in touch, you know, in 12 months' time. If anything comes up, come back on and uh, we'll have a chat and, uh, and catch up. It'll be lovely to catch up with you. Absolutely, Lee. It's been such a great honor to talk with you. And, uh, well, same, same here, same here. Look after yourself. Have a nice time in uh, sunny Los Angeles because it's pissing down here at the minute. Uh, <laughs> and I'll speak to you soon. Okay, Fritzy. That's a deal. Thanks so much, Lee. Okay, take care. So that's it. Massive thanks again to Fritzy for joining me today and also for you, for, to you for listening. Hope you found this useful. She's such a passionate lady um, and it is powerful stuff that we talked about. Now, coming up over the next few months, there are some more powerful, powerful interviews. And remember, it's every Monday now a new episode is released. You can also find a little clip it of the interview if you want to see my beautiful face on uh, YouTube. Just put my way of thinking in. Instagram is my what podcast. Um, and if you want to email me or you think you know someone who'd be a great guest, then email me. It's my what podcast at AOL.com. Thanks so much for listening in. Until next time, God bless and take care. <laughs>